Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 144. Let's roll. And I'll be on vacation here coming up soon. I'm going going back home. I had a pretty uh, pretty legendary story at the beginning of one of my shows last year about missing, almost missing the plane. I did not miss the plane. I ran through a terminal with my two young children and my wife, and all hell broke loose. But we 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 did make the plane home last year. is a pretty fucking awesome story. I won't retell it today, but who knows what type of stories I'll have from my vacation back. But uh, uh, look forward to it. Uh, hope you're all spending good times with your family. Summertime, heat waves across the country. Hopefully, you're near a body of water. Boy, oh boy! But uh, this this week, I did uh, something pretty cool. I did the um, I did the Sonic Truth podcast that is normally hosted by Mr. Matt Kelly uh, crossover week, and it was a lot of fun. I, I just hosted it just uh, you know before doing this show. I did that with uh, Alan Soslowski and and Randall Young, Memphis Young. Uh, it was a lot of fun, man. It was pretty cool. So me and uh, me and Randall, me and Memphis took the place of you know Theo and Matt Kelly. Well, in the spirit of crossover week at Player Profiler, I thought I'd just uh, you know pay homage to them and have Mister Theo Greminger on my show. And uh, I am so excited to have Mister Theo on today. He's a now a friend, man. I, I tell you, you know, they were one of the first. I mentioned it to him. He he was one of the first people to invite me on a show as a guest at the Goat District. He's just fantastic. He's a great analyst, a great player, a legitimate high stakes player, and now even more importantly, a friend of mine, Mister Theo Greminger. Welcome to the program, my friend. No, I'm I'm, I'm stoked to be here. I I love I love your podcast, and uh, I love chopping it up with you. Whether it's on this one. Or in the district and on us and on Sonic yeah. Truth, you've been we've done three different shows together now, uh, multiple times, and it's it's always a blast. A great deal of respect for for what you guys do here, um, and you know I think you're one of the best dynasty minds in the entire game. So I, I love love getting your opinion on guys, and I love being able to talk it out. I think it's awesome, and I cannot wait to listen to you guys. Crossover week is very yeah. cool. I got to host Mind a Mansion. Billy and I hosted Mind a Mansion. And you and Memphis got to do uh, Sonic Truth with Alan. That's just tremendous. And then Matt's going on the Dynasty War Zone with Memphis, and I'm coming on with you yes. today. So we're we're really like crossing over, and I think shining a light on just how good these shows yeah. are and how talented you know you guys are. Yeah, absolutely. As well. I mean, I, I I told you before the show that I thought that Matt and Nate Liss, those shows that they did on the Sonic Truth when they hit their heights, when they hit their absolute zenith, I thought those were the best podcast for fantasy especially for dynasty football that i'd ever heard and it was part of the inspiration that wanted me to do this uh i guess i'm 144 episodes in that's probably three years ish or whatever so you know whatever it started three years ago i was like i know i can beat a lot of the i can be better than a lot of the shit that's out there because there's a lot of awful shows but i was like i wonder if ever i could be that good they were inspirational um you know, and I, I don't mean to be earthy, you know, all crunchy over the whole thing, but they were. They did a great show, and so it was a it was an honor to host that show. Uh, I don't think that we quite brought the heat that Matt and Nate did in the past, but it was a lot of fun. And Alan's a, a lunatic, and he's great to be with. And and yeah, I, I respect you a great deal. But nobody, literally nobody, tuned in today to hear me and you wax poetic about each other. I can guarantee you that shit right now, Theo. 
no, no chance. Way. No way. What they came to hear is maybe some nonsense, some bullshit, some me swearing about some player that's going to suck this year. They love that. Um, they, they love that. Even the people who disagree love it because then they just fucking remember it. They just remember it and they're just ready to jump into my fucking, you know, Twitter sphere or DMs and be like, eat it. Eat it, Falcone. So they love that. And they also love it if they hate the player because then they get to, you know, just sort of bang the steering wheel as they drive their car being like, yeah, I fucking hate Alexander Madison. Um, so that's what they like. Plus, they like really good dynasty advice. And I think that's where we're going to start, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, you know, Chalk and I were talking about this and we touched on it a little bit. I thought this would be a good place for you and I to start, which was, you know, it, and actually it came up on the Sonic Truth podcast. I think it's actually the the skeleton key to unlocking almost any um, fantasy season, but specifically this one feels like it's even more important. And that is um, getting the running back position right. Huh? You know, with quarterbacks, we kind of know a little bit. Yeah, sometimes you can find Lamar Jackson late or, you know, Fields late, but you kind of know what's going to happen at quarterback. Wide receivers, you kind of know a little bit. Tight ends are kind of solved a bit. I mean, there's always a late round tight end that might do a little bit more, but these running backs, they're all over the place. There's 32 starting running backs, so to speak, and we don't exactly know what order they should be in. That's in a redraft lens, but if we even take it a step further and say, okay, now add the layer of dynasty and what's going to happen this year plus how that affects their future value, it's a really, really interesting Rubik's Cube that I think whoever solves that is going to win some leagues. And we will get to that and much more right after this. Yeah, I think it's just become to a point where it's such a yearly process at the at the running back position. Like you can nail wide receiver in dynasty, you can certainly nail tight end, you can absolutely nail quarterback, but running back you have to be a, like a little bit more fluid in your approach and you have to be more willing to take on risk and it's you also have like pockets of value that kind of present themselves because I think redraft um really really rears its head at this position. Yeah. And I think it's it's you see like especially now you have the best ball where underdog is so big and guys get like kind of steamed up and steamed down. So I try to be kind of like as open as possible with running backs with my dynasty builds. Um, and I think that there's oftentimes like this time of season, I'm sure we're going to talk about it. There's buying opportunities when you wouldn't expect like in years past, like there was people selling Saquon Barkley a couple days yeah, right. ago. I got a share and I know like a couple of uh like high volume dynasty players I know got some pretty interesting deals done that involved Saquon and I was able to get him super cheap in one league. Do you remember, um, do you remember so the, what you paid? I mean, you know, I remember exactly tell, what I paid tell the people there's this. So this, and I'll give a little context. This player is really good. Um, he's won a shitload of money and he, but he takes big, 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 big risks. And when he wants to get out of something, he'll get out sometimes at a lesser price and he got the Saquon spooks and was spooked by the situation. And he sold them to me for James Cook and Traylon Burke straight up. So, like, I don't think I can lose at that price um, unless Saquon gets hurt. Because I think that, like, again, there's outs for Traylon Burks. There's outs for James Cook. But if I had to bet on any of them having the better year this year, it's certainly Saquon. Yeah. And if I have to bet on one having a better uh, 2024 season, it's, it's still going to yeah. be Saquon. And I think that's the other thing is... Like dynasty, dynasty managers, like sometimes like 
we're, we're in a league together. And, you know, I think those people are, are committed to being in that league. And some people took like very long-term approaches. I think the way you win in this, this game is by having like two or three year windows, yeah. especially with your running backs. My, like if you go back even like three years and look at the dynasty rankings for running back, they're completely totally. different than now. So I, I'm, I'm, I think you just running back should not freak people out. Trade for value when it presents yeah. itself and be able to like really embrace rookie running backs because I think those guys have immediate value. Uh, and I think you just stay very open with, with your yeah. approach. There's many different ways to get that kind of running back scoring <clears throat> in your lineup. Um, and I think you just have to be open. Yeah, to I it. think you can take a long-term approach when it comes to value, but I don't think you can take a long-term approach when it comes to production. You know, production is fleeting. You never know. I mean, so, you know, and what I mean by that is like, okay, I can, I can foresee that, you know, Mahomes, even at the quarterback position, like, you know, who's more likely to be, if I told you a, a one one of these two quarterbacks was not a starter, and neither one got intru- injured in five years. Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes? Which one would you pick? It's it would definitely it be has Hurts. to be Hurts, right? It's yeah, it, it has, has to, be. to be Hurts, and that's not to say that Hurts it probably won't be a starter. It's just to understand that value for long term is in Mahomes. That's the fact. And the the production could be in the short term with Hurts, and to understand those things on a multitude of levels, whether it be at a different position is to understand how you're playing your team and your game. And that's what I mean by you can look at long-term value, but you can't look at long-term production. I mean, does that make sense? Uh, It absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think if the, I mean, production's production's production. And I think that like, but we can only see it in (sighs) in one year, maybe two year increments, especially at the running back position. That's kind of my point. So as we look at this running back position, it's like, yeah, you can – I mean, we've just been – we've been thrown off the bridge so many times. You know, even Fournette, you know, Fournette last year was like, you know, he's a pretty integral part. You know, I mean, he was catching passes. Like, he was a – like, go back and look at the first few weeks of of the season with Fournette. And you're like, dude was getting targeted. I mean, he was a winning player. And so if you were like, oh, yeah, well, then the values in Leonard Fournette, well, that's incorrect because obviously here we stand. He doesn't have a team. He has no value. The value's gone. The production was there, but the value's gone. And we can say Saquon's a better prospect. We can say a lot of things, but we still don't know because he's got a one-year contract what exactly is going to happen with Saquon next year. I agree with you, but it's hard to predict that 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 um that production into next year we just don't exactly dalvin cook we probably thought he was going to be a starter he's currently not although we'll get there but we you know these these are the things that you think about you know you try to see the future so i i uh i understand the trade actually from both sides he was banking value with Traylon, who is more likely to have value in three or four years so he made a value play you made a production play yeah, yeah, and I, and there's different ways to go about this game. And I, again, like it, the guy is a very good player who's won a shitload. So I can't, I can't like knock no, him. It's a great but trade a situation. For you, I couldn't pack up. But it's a great trade up. for him yeah. if that's what he's trying to do, right? He made a pro, he made a value play. You made a production play. There's almost and you bring up ahead. you bring up the uh, the like Saquon. It's wild because there's this year's this upcoming season is going to have so many running backs potentially changing teams like an off season from yes. now. So as wild as we think this offseason was, next offseason could be even wilder yes. 
Like it sounds like Jonathan Taylor is going to get the bag, but after that, it's like Saquon's on this one year deal. Tony Pollard's on this one year deal. Josh Jacobs is going to be on this one year deal. J.K. Dobbins is going to be a free agent. I mean, you go down yep. the list. There's so many of them, um, and that's not even counting the rookies right. um, that we're going to be drafting. So it's it's going to be another wild season. So I think you you know look at this season in a lens. There's a couple running backs that you're just going to not overpay for. If you got Bijan Robinson or you got Jameer Gibbs, that's fantastic. <laughs> right. You got an elite right. asset. But after that, like they can't all be those two guys. Yeah. And even like Taylor and Hall, right. Are are suffering through injuries right now, so like there's there's no safe streets. No out safe there, streets at the running you know? back position, which is which leads me to, and I'll I'll sort of share my my philosophy with you, which you know, uh, we Memphis and I talked about this on Sonic Truth, and it was like he had shared, okay, well wait till the season starts in order to trade a running back for a wide receiver because it's almost impossible to trade a running back for a wide receiver of equal value, you know, in, in other words, the RB eight for the wide receiver eight type of thing, you know, Olave for. Kenneth Walker. Nobody's going to do that. Right. But during the season, if all of a sudden Travis Etienne has two dope weeks, he, you can sell him. Right. So anyway, okay. I agree with that. But outside of that type of trade, what you can do right now and what you can be doing all off season and what you may be able to do also in season, sometimes even to a, to a greater degree is to trade running back for running back, but you get profit or you pay a small amount in order to make a big move based off of uncertainty. Like, with, with Jacobs and uh, Saquon, right? Well, Saquon has passed a little bit, but you get my drift. And so I, I, I love doing that. You know, I think, I don't remember the exact trade. Um, oh yeah, it was like, um, I traded uh, J.K. Dobbins for Rashad White. I mentioned it on the pod, uh, plus a second. And that second ended up being Zay Flowers. So now I've got, you know, Zay Flowers and Rashad White for J.K. Dobbins. That feels like a, a win in hindsight, at the moment, people are like, I don't know, man, you might have given up too much to get me, you know, so this is the type of thing. I, I love to just make moves within the running back, you know, um, landscape, but then get some profit to to make those moves. Does that make sense? Uh, uh, yeah. No, that makes total sense. And I think that you are much like a lot of very sharp dynasty minds in that sense, where running back, people have these ideas of this player is worth so much more than this player, but it's really you're banking on situations and kind of profiles. And a lot of them are more similar than you Correct. think. And like, you know, being able to do that um, made a lot of sense. I'll say that this is like a, like Scott Connor has always talked about that, yes. especially when a running back gets run up in value. When I can get a, a player and a pick, you almost always want to do that uh, trade. And anytime it's a, play, a, a player and a first round pick, you definitely want to make that trade. Right. So it's it's sometimes hard to stomach because like when you see when you're moving a player that's like, you know, ranked higher going from Christian McCaffrey um, to Travis Etienne or whatever. You're like, God, I'm giving up McCaffrey and I'm only getting whatever, you know, but generally it's the right move. Yeah. In in dynasty at the running back position, you will get burned doing this once in yes. a while. Like if you move a guy, you got to be willing to take a loss, you know, but over it's over time trying to hit on eight out of 10 trades. You know, you're if you're good enough, you can do that. You can't hit on 10 out of right. 10 doing this philosophy. Like, for example, we we had a number of people on uh, our podcast and, and I got kind of like killed for this one. I was on the kind of sell Ken Walker. Mm. I had a ton of Ken Walker last year. Like I was drafting him in rookie drafts where it was kind of like a little bit unfashionable to do 
uh, where it was Brees Hall, clearly the running back one, but some people had some questions about Ken Walker's landing spot, his receiving ability, whatever. I had a lot of them, and then I did sell off a couple of shares, and I was I tried to pivot off of Walker to get like elite wide receivers, or I used him in a package to get to get a Bijan Robinson yeah. uh, before the draft, and it's like people were so thinking that it was such an insulated situation, mm. but I don't know. To me, he always kind of looked like more of like a like an RB six than like an RB one kind of guy. And I guess the Seahawks kind of agreed with that too. And that's, and that could have gone wrong for me. Right. Um, but it's like these, these, they're not safe. Yeah. Like the jets this year, the jets would have taken Jameer Gibbs. That's what year. they said. <laughs> that's, that's the rumor. Yes. Like all the New York reporters say and that they're still like interested the, in the Dalvin was Cook. There. So what does this yeah. say about Brees Hall? Like to me, it makes no sense for the record. Like yeah. they have Banacanda, Carter, Bam Knight. Like to me, that's like, they have like the perfect running back room actually in a lot of ways. Like, you, right? I mean, they have the like Brees Hall's a stud. Michael Carter's a great pass catching supplement who can handle a little extra work if it came to it. They have Bam Knight, who certainly is sort of an, a well rounded jag. And they have Ibanakan, who's this upside moonshot. It's like perfect. What do we need any of this other shit for? You know, we don't need any other running backs in this room. But yet they're still, they were going to draft Jameer Gibbs and they're seemingly very interested in Dalvin Cook. The Dalvin Cook thing still could happen, and I think that's also like a Jets Patriots type yeah. thing. Like they like what they don't want to see either they're one get like fuck a bargain, each other, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So they're trying to run up the price, For like sure. you see in a dynasty. We're totally league. interested. So <laughs> yeah, and it's and but it's so funny. It's like uh, the Jets every time there's like a veteran out there, like DeAndre Hopkins, they they're getting involved. Yes. It's like it's like uh, it's like a it's like a reality TV show with with Aaron Rodgers. Totally. There, I think they're gonna win a lot of games. Yeah. But I think it's it's funny. It's like when an NBA team, you think about like those Lakers teams that just go out and like, hey, we're gonna go get like old Carl Malone and add him to like you know Kobe and Shaq just because why yeah, like not? Gary you know we're the Lakers. Thing. It'll be it'll yeah, work out fine. That'll be great. Yeah, that's the Jets yes. right now. So um, I think it just shows that like there's no safety in the NFL. I think at the, I think most most coaches and coordinators are totally fine with a committee approach at running back. And it takes like a real special talent to kind of become like the three down back that's playing an exceptional amount of downs. So I think there's just there's just a lack of a lack of safety. More guys are probably closer to becoming RB twos at any moment than we think. And I think we have to be more willing to do what you're talking about doing with being able to pivot off of people, being able to take profit, and not really getting like like locked in on on certain values. I mean, with the two rookies, I'm all in on yeah. those guys. I think that they have a, a ton of value. I'm willing to if I if if the situation presents itself to get a Bijan Robinson, I'll overpay. I'll overpay for Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. But after that, it's like you have this group of older running backs yeah. who we know are very good players. Saquon, and CMC, then you have, yeah. even you know it's funny you say it, but JT is now in that like group. It's like it's so weird. It's so weird how the young guy becomes an old guy very very quickly at the running back position. Yeah, and also like it's a funny position where <clears throat> some guys have way less touches. And I know that there's some people that say it doesn't matter. It's age. Age matters much more for these guys. But I don't know. It's like a if I'm going to take on an older back with maybe slightly less workload, like uh, a Tony Pollard, right. like that interests me because he's got 550 carries or so versus some of these other guys. So I don't know. There's many different ways of looking at it. I think for me, I, I don't want to be as like a couple years back. I think that the the whole like age apex with running backs was something that I kind of like subscribe to. 
but I'm a little bit maybe more open to taking on an older back now, especially for my dynasty builds, because a lot of them have the most clear situations. Um, Well, you never know. You never know know what's going to happen, right? Because like, you know, um, right now, Miles Sanders has a contract and he's kind of locked in a little bit as a player who should see a couple of years of production in Carolina and Dalvin Cook's on the street, you know, and so that we wouldn't have necessarily foreseen that, you know, that's not something that we would have predicted, but here we are. And so with all that in mind, I would ask, you know, you, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you have an answer, maybe you don't, but like, are you more likely or are you more comfortable trading sort of up for running back? Like if you're making a running back for running back, plus or minus a little bit of value, do you prefer trading up into the, you know, into a higher uh, player or trading down? What do you prefer or, or, or do you have some thoughts there? So I think it always has to be in context of your teams. I think if my team is really good, I always prefer a two for one where I'm getting the one I get, I have, I have less outs, but if the outs hit, I'm going to have like a supercharged team with maybe a guy that's 15 plus points per game, you know, pushing for a 20 point per game season. Like I'd rather take on those kind of guys, but if my team is iffy, then I'm looking to pivot off and have options. And I think that's like, that's the beauty of dynasty in a nutshell is there's different answers for that. But for me personally, like I, if I look at a trade, I think what can this guy like really crush me and more likely than not, the guy that would crush me is the, the yeah. one, not the <laughs> right. two. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, occasionally get burned doing yeah. that. But like I, I, I like taking shots and I like I like trying to consolidate my roster. I believe in my ability to kind of fill out the back end of a roster. Um, and again, it, it all depends. I was going like, to say it depends on the size of is, the roster yeah. too or size of the yeah. starting lineup. Like, yeah. like in your league, the league that I do with you and Scott Barrett and, and Matt Kelly and, and Alan Sislowski – like that is such a deep format that if you're offering me a bunch of outs for a, maybe a, a a solid player, I might have to consider that yes. more because it's a sharp league. The rookie drafts are going to be more difficult. The waiver wire is going to be more difficult. There's no waiver wire, and it's so There's deep. No There's no waiver wire. wire. There's yeah, no way. there'll be like one or two guys all all, all year all year yeah. in the waiver wire. There'll be a bam the, night. The fab is almost yeah. worthless. It's like you know, it's like bit a thousand on the first guy you like. It doesn't even matter. It's like yeah, but um, but it's true. So yeah, there's leagues like that, and there's leagues that are much shallower, you know. And you know, I've had a few, uh, few. I, I'm in a couple leagues where people are like, dude, we need to expand the roster, but and I'm like, no, we don't. This happens to be this type of league. This creates this type of decision making. Like, don't just make all the leagues where it's like, because sometimes you're like, dude, I got to cut one of these guys. They're kind of good. Like, can't believe I'm going to cut, I don't know, making it up, Isaiah Hodgins. Like, he actually has a shot. Or there's a couple leagues where I'm looking at, like, cutting Zonovan Knight, you know, and or Jalen Tolbert or Devin Duvernay. And it's like, well, yeah, they're not that good. It's But then there's leagues where, like, you'd be like, no way they're getting cut. Like, we're cutting way deeper than that. So every league has a different, you know, spot where it's like, and, and that creates its own strategy. Because in a shallow league, as you point out, I'm, I'm more comfortable trading up, even at the running back position. I think in general, though, I would say that I'm more comfortable. And this is new for me, by the way. I, I don't know if that this is because I think there. I think this is new. You know, I always say be ready to be wrong. Always change your mind. Be water. Be Bayesian. This, this is things I preach all the time. But I think it is a little new given the running back landscape. If we rewind 10 or God, dare I say, 20 years, stud running back was everything. 
you know, Marshall Falk and Adrian Peterson and Ladanian Tomlinson, dude. I, you could you I would have paid all of my future picks, just all of them, to give me LT. Imagine if you had LT for five, six, seven years. Like, dude was the 101 every year. Like, he won your league. It feels like those days are gone. I mean, maybe they're not. Maybe they. Maybe this is, is a, you know, sort of a, a cycle, and we're going to go back to that. But I just don't believe we are. I think in a lot of ways yeah. we're seeing a lot more, you know, shared backfields, obviously less running game, more passing game, you know, just all this, more passing touchdowns, less rushing touchdowns, in ge- just all this stuff in general, faster pace, yada, yada. So all that being more injuries, unfortunately, fuck these running backs. I mean, every every year we get a, a, a few popped ACLs. I mean, Saquon, Dalvin, you know, Dobbins, Brees, Javante. It's like, fuck me. I really, these running backs is a bummer seeing them get injured, but it's happening. So whether it's, whether we like it or not is irrelevant. So for all these, this myriad of reasons, I'd rather sell off because had I sold off all my Javante Williams for whomever, you know, running back 15 plus a first, that would have been a good move on all my Javante shares, on all my Brees shares, all my JT shares. So I think in general, even though it feels so fucking stupid to do it, I think trading off of the uh, elite running back and into a secondary running back plus profit is the, the the best way to go, and it just hurts my sensibilities to say it. Yeah, and you make interesting points too with the running backs you reference because, like Javante was a perfect example of the dynasty community like loving a guy and his talent profile more so than we actually saw the production on the field. Bingo. Like the Jonathan Taylor one, if John if you would have sold Jonathan Taylor after his rookie season, you would have felt awful all the following <laughs> right. season when he won leagues. Right. But like Javante never right. had that. Like Javante had the artificial steam, um, and we would criticize the coaching staff. We'd say, "Why is Melvin Gordon getting the ball?" But it just it just didn't yeah. happen. Brees Hall's a little different, you know. Brees Hall, you saw yep. it. Um, you saw elite production and you saw elite receiving ability. But you make a great point. I think that's a that's a perfectly acceptable way of playing fantasy in general. Um, for, especially, I mean, excuse me for dynasty it's fantasy, hard, uh, especially Look, at the Theo, running. I'm not yeah. saying that I've perfected this. I'm actually. I struggle in doing this. Like when I look at my teams, I look at them and go, dude, CMC, Saquon, fuck yeah, let's roll. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I do. I don't look at, well, I got to move these guys. I don't think that way. No, I think that what's interesting is, does this apply to the wide receiver position ever? Because right now you can get mm. so, so much for Garrett. Well, and I, <laughs> yeah. you'd have to put a gun to my head. You'd have to put a gun to my head to get my Garrett Wilson right. shares. <clears throat> But there's an argument to sell Garrett Wilson right now where he's – and there's an argument to sell Chris Olave right yeah. now. And I wouldn't sell either one of those guys. I don't – I don't like – I'm like – I'm drafting them in redraft, best ball. I have them on my dynasty teams. You better – like I'm not I'm not giving them I up. I mean, let me ask you but this. I'm saying, let me ask you a like, quick one. If I was a you, robot – You, you yeah. have Chris Olave, okay? You have like three or four 24 first-round picks. You have your own. Your team is stacked. You have one other sure playoff team. So you have a 24 first that's a sure playoff team. Someone says, give me Chris Olave and that 24 first sure playoff team for Jamar Chase. You doing it? Yeah, yes. I did that. I did that. Yeah, I'll I do did. that. I do that in a second. <laughs> I mean, when you're talking about like the, the Chase yeah. Jefferson, yeah, yeah. like, and you're talking about getting like the God yeah, tier yeah, of wide receivers tier. in Dynasty, yeah. 
Yeah, give it. So I have I, I, I inherited this league, this team. I orphaned it up. I don't even know what I'm doing in this league. It's awful. I'm Jacob Sanderson, Akash, a few people, and the Rhinos is in there. His team is awful. Rhinos is it's the worst team that he's ever managed ever. It's awful. He's the worst team in the league. But um, but I'm in this league, and my team's not that good. It's um, I don't know. I think it was Jeff Crisco. I'll shout him out. Yeah, you you left the league like a little pansy. I found out it was you, loser. Anyway. Um, team's not that, but I have Justin Jefferson. So I'm like, maybe I can sell Justin Jefferson and I put him on the block and I got some offers and you know what? They all fucking sucked. You know, nobody was like really bringing every time I look at it, like, and, and then you look at Justin Jefferson, you're like, he's 23 years old. Like he's 23 years old. Like what am I trying to do? Like, yeah, if, unless I get a real huge haul. And I don't even know what that is. I don't even know what would get me off Justin Jefferson. It's so hard at the wide receiver position because unless Justin Jefferson falls off a building, I don't understand how he doesn't produce as a wide receiver one for the next five to six years easily. Like it doesn't even make any sense. So it's harder to sell them. Whereas if I told you JT is going to be not a, he'll never be a running back one ever again. You'd be like, well, maybe if I said that about Jefferson, you'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Jefferson won, like it's it it's it's crazy, but like I saw a Jefferson trade go down in a very high stakes FFPC league where again FFPC is a twenty man mm-hmm. roster. It's not true deep yeah, dynasty, yeah. but it's it's more of like a it's like more keeper. so than a keeper yeah. league. Yeah, twenty man keeper, and it was a Bijan Robinson Justin Jefferson <laughs> trade, and that one went down, and that was Bijan and Traylon, or excuse me, it was a one hundred one and Traylon yeah. Burks for Justin Jefferson and the 111. And at the time it was like 90 like we put it out as a poll on Twitter um and I and I it was like 90 to 10 um for the Justin Jefferson yeah. side won the I, trade but I bet if you put that trade up right mm. now it would be it would be closer to like 75 80% yeah. based on how clear Bijan is RB1. at the yeah. running back position. So it's interesting. It is. I I I don't know that we're doing the same exercise of trading off the elite uh, assets at wide receiver. You know, I wrote the, my, one of my first articles I ever wrote was sort of a dyna, dynasty startup strategy article. And it still holds because I basically was like, you want to build your, your, your startup roster around young stud wide receivers if possible. There was a little bit of quarterback fade at that time when I wrote the article. And now we've seen a little bit of a separation of the elite tier quarterbacks, which would change that sort of philosophy, which has changed my philosophy too. But I think the running back uh, change has also uh, been pretty interesting that here we are and we've got, um, you know, a lot of running backs that uh, that are just question marks. One of them is Josh Jacobs. I, I would assume that Josh Jacobs will get a contract at some point. Maybe not. Maybe he might get the like Saquon contract. But then I would think next year he'd get the Miles Sanders contract. I think that's fairly predictable. I'm not saying it will happen. Again, we just talked about how unsure things are. Do you kind of agree with that? Uh, and and I, I sort of wrote on the show sheet, your panic level on Josh Jacobs right now on a scale of 1 to 10. Where are you at here? I think it's certainly more panic than than Saquon. And you also have the fact that he had – just the massive touch season. Yeah. And like, 
there's two trains of thought with this. Like the massive touch season says that some NFL head coach and offensive coordinator said this guy could handle uh, a ton of touches and he actually produced big time with them. So that's actually a, a net positive and that's probably the right approach. But I don't know. It scares me. It scares the hell out of me. They gave the, the guy the ball 370 times um, and he's not even 24 years old. So he's already got all all that tread on the tires. Miles Sanders certainly never got that kind of tread on the tires. Right. Um, and, you know, the big dog, Derrick Henry, has been able to do it and keep on trucking, but he's built different. Like Jacobs is a big, strong back, but he's like a 220-pound guy. He's like a regular-sized running back. Um, I don't know. Like I'm not – I'm not over the moon with 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 Jacobs in Dynasty for better or for worse. I should have had more of him this past season. I think a lot of us regret that. But I think going and and treating him like he's a he's a McCaffrey type prospect mm. right now is probably the wrong approach. I've seen it last year, but I don't think I'm going to see another season like that ever out of him again. Whereas there's a couple of elite running backs like we saw Saquon bounce back last year and put up a really really big season. Um, you know, we talk about like Jonathan Taylor two seasons ago set the world ablaze. I think that he has another season like that in him. I don't know. For some reason, there I have like like trepidation for Jacobs. I also think the Raiders are are, are a mess, mm. and I don't think they really know what they're doing. And I think that there's, I don't know. It's I don't think he's he's insulated to be a Raider long term. So where's he yeah. going to go? That's fair. There's three there's three backs that I sort of lump together. Because I think that they are similar. Um, it is Josh. They, they also have similar ADP in, in Dynasty startups. At least they they did. This could be changing. But Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, Najee Harris. Jacobs has gone ahead of them. But I think that all three of them are pretty close. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree on that. Who do you like the best out of those three? Gosh, I mean, for this year, I like. Ramondre Stevenson the best for this until, year. I think Ramond, like, until Dalvin until he gets complete, until he gets grenaded by by Dalvin That's what I'm Cook. Saying. Like, um, so if you're drafting right yeah. now, you'd feel comfortable clicking the button on Ramondre given the Dalvin uncertainty. It's Josh. I mean, when you look at it for, and take a step back, it's probably still Josh right. Jacobs because we saw it last year. And again, like the 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 Harris one is is funny because we saw him get 70 receptions his first yep. year. Elite, elite numbers. Yes. You got ben, Big Ben as quarterback checking down to him. And then last year, the whole argument is, well, his pass catching went way, 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 way down because of the quarterback change, because it was Trubisky and Pickett. And I'm like, okay, but this this undrafted running back, Jalen Warren, had almost 30 receptions as a rookie. So it wasn't just like, you know, the run, the, the targets went away from the running back position. They were just more dispersed on two guys. So I have like a little, like a little bit of fear on Najee. Like I think Najee's a very, very tough, tough, tough running back. And I think he plays through injuries and he's got size and he can catch the ball. Um, but again, we saw his best season. We saw his best season as a rookie. Um, so we haven't, we haven't seen seen Najee with an offensive line though. That's a great point, and they did improve the For offensive sure. line, and they also added Washington at tight end. So they added run like, game, run blocking best. assets. But I, for him to hit another top three to top five running back season, his reception total needs to go mm. up. And I do think Jalen Warren caps that significantly. Mm. Like I think Jalen Warren's a very good player, and I think that they love Jalen Warren, and I think it's going to be a little bit more of a – it's still Najee as the man, yeah. but – 
a little bit more of like, like Jalen Warren is going to be a, a pain in the butt who averages like 10 points per game in PPR this right. year. And he's more than just a straight handcuff. And that's going to be annoying enough for Harris where I don't think he's going to hit like, you know, a massive season that's going to kill me. Um, I like having him. I have Harris on dynasty teams and I'm fine with it, but it's, it's uh, I don't necessarily see the elite elite upside with Warren there next to him. No, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. As it pertains to Saquon, it looks like Saquon's situation was a blip in the, in the, in, in the, a, a moment in time. He basically said, I, I, it's very interesting. Cause all he basically said was just give me a million dollars of like, if I do really good, I get an extra mil. And they were like, all right, fine, whatever. Like, he it, it, he obviously didn't have any leverage. They kind of knew it. He knew it. His agent knew it. It's it's whether or not you want to play or not. He wants to play. They got it done quick, and he's he's back in. And he'll play for a contract this year. So do we think that that's what's going to happen with J- Josh Jacobs? Or do you think there's something else that will happen, like maybe even a, an actual holdout into the season? I think I think Josh Jacobs is going to play this year. I don't see the holdout into the yeah. season. I mean, I know he hasn't signed, so there was a lot of misinformation out there um, about how like the fines would mm. work, but he hasn't signed. So, like until you've signed it, right. like Pollard signed right. it, like so, like Pollard could get fined if Pollard's like, you know what, I changed my right. mind. They'd say, okay, give me fifty k, you know, for the the couple of days you missed a practice. Um, that that doesn't apply to Jacobs. So. I think for me, the thing with Jacobs that's a little concerning is if I'm on that one-year contract and I'm playing and the Raiders are really bad right. and the Raiders are are like, you know, 5-11 and 11 or, or not even like maybe they're 4-10 they're and 10 to start the year, then I'm then I'm going to I'm going to have a like kind of quiet quitting right. where I'm not necessarily I'm not like half. I don't I think Jacobs is a warrior. I think he plays hard. I know what you mean. But it's a playing through injuries is part of the, going through the pro- thought process of every single running back because no running back is perfectly healthy after game twelve. It's the <laughs> after NFL. game one exactly. You know, yeah, after game yes. one. So yes, you're you're going to treatment. You're taking care of your body, and it comes to a point where I'm playing on an ankle <laughs> that's not right or my shoulder's not right, and it comes to a point where you know I'm playing for next year's money. And and like you said, Josh Jacobs has shown enough that he's going to get that Miles Sanders money. So I worry a little bit more about how the second half of the season would go with Jacobs because yeah. <laughs> I don't think the Raiders are going to win any games. I think that division is is that division is is too strong yeah. for them. I just don't see them. This there. is an irrelevant uh, story, but I'll tell it because it's fun. I remember when I was a freshman in uh, high school. You know, your varsity locker room is like you know. I mean, I I, I didn't play as a freshman. I was just there, and I remember the senior running back. I remember I like sat next to him in the in the locker room at one point. He was like after a game or something and I looked down at his forearms and it looked like the moon. Like he he had like divots and bruises like that were like looked like they should be medically attended to. Like um, both of his forearms were just fucked up to to the nth degree and I was like and I was like thinking to myself, you know, holy shit that's fucking crazy you know that's that's reality that's not he's not hurt he's not coming out he's not having it checked it's just that's just fucked up for him you know and i think about it like on the nfl level these guys are running into guys who are like 63255 run a 4440 and like can squat 700 pounds like 
they're hurt. <laughs> they are hurt. Yeah. They're hurt bad all the time. All these players, and you know, especially an NFL running back, is getting smashed over and over again. So these guys are absolute warriors, and you're right. At some point, yo, I ain't got a contract next year. My ankle fucking hurts. You know what? I'm hurt. I'm going to sit out. I, you know, I need treatment. I'm, I'm out. Give the ball to fucking Amir Abdullah. And it's, it's sort of like, you know, people might listen to that. And I think there's like the old school football people who listen and, and they're like, that's ridiculous. Like players need to play through it. But if you were working at a, at a job yeah. and you knew you weren't long for that place and you knew you're going to looking for another job, you're not going to burn the midnight oil to try to like do as well for that employer because you know you're leaving soon enough and you've done enough that like these other people are going to hire right. you. And that's sort of like what that's life. And that's also for yes. these NFL running backs. So I worry about that a little bit more with Jacobs yeah. that the season just goes south. I think the Giants are going to be in it. I think that Dable is the real deal. I think that that team is going to be right there for an NFC playoff appearance. I think that winning the division is going to be difficult. So they're going to be fighting for the wild card right till to the I end. I love Saquon this and I think year. I love him. I love Saquon. Yeah. I think Saquon could be the RB1 yeah, overall. He has that upside. And one thing one thing that's interesting in that <clears throat> contract with all the the bonuses mm. is that 65 receptions is one of the me- the marks to love hit. That. So like he's in the he, like last year he got back up to like I think he hit 59 receptions, but but if Saquon can give us a 70 reception <sighs> out of nowhere season. Yeah, dude. Like they so I I've been saying like the 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 whole joke on Twitter now is the Giants have like 800 slot receivers and they're all like short, short, like <laughs> yes. receivers. And there's been some really funny stuff out there. But I do think that for Dable, he goes out and gets Waller. That was an important addition yes. for him. And then they go out and get like they get Jalen Hyatt, who provides speed. I don't think I don't love Jalen Hyatt, but I think stylistically he helps them. Real NFL, I think real NFL get, asset, not a fantasy asset. Yeah, yeah that's right. Completely yeah. agree. I don't want him in any of my dynasty yeah. teams, but he can run fast down the field. That's and then they add Paris Campbell, who's a versatile player, and as Cole Beasley is a, is another guy who can produce first downs. So I think that that offense is going to get a lot of first downs. Danny Dimes ran for over seven hundred yards last yards. year, and Saquon's and Waller is a is a better receiver than anybody on their roster yep. last year. So they just went and added him. Apparently, they're doing twelve personnel a lot, and Bellinger looks good. So I think that they're going to be a very efficient offense. They're going to produce so many first downs. And Saquon is the linchpin and the guy they lean on. He's got big-time touchdown equity. And he also has receiving ability. So this is the Saquon year. And... Yeah, man, I'm all yeah. for it. I think Saquon could be RB1 I overall. like that call. I think Saquon, that, that that's what tethers him to the, uh, being a top five dynasty running back right now. I wonder if we should say the same thing about Nick Chubb while we're here because he's another guy who has RB1 overall upside. And normally you don't say that about a guy like Nick Chubb who doesn't have the receiving chops. But with with without a real pass catching running back on the roster, there have been some whispers out of uh, out of Cleveland that – you know, oh yeah, he can catch. He's a pass game weapon. They, I, I think even the the head coach came out and said some shit about that. And I know it's all a bunch of nonsense, but when the when the narrative matches the reality that there isn't another guy to take those those catches, look. When if you go look at the splits with and without Kareem Hunt playing, um, Nick Chubb's reception share is way the fuck higher. Like it's completely different. It's like almost it's like double. He gets a lot more. Uh, targets when Nick Chubb wasn't there. Nick Chubb checks notes, not fucking there no more. And yeah, you got to believe in some other rubber that's going to come in and take 
touches away from Nick Chubb, I don't see it. I think he's in for an uptick in 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 targets and 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 there's touchdown upside in an offense that could be led by a potentially resurgent uh, Deshaun Watson. What are your thoughts about Nick Chubb and and how are you handling him in dynasty? Because it's the same thing. He's older. What do I do? I actually like investing in Nick Chubb more in dynasty than in mm. redraft right now. Cause redraft, I need to use a pick at the one, two yeah, turn he's right a now. Second round he's pick so every steamed time, up. Yep. And he's, and it, like there's people that are drafting him ahead of Saquon and he was going, he's clearly ahead of Taylor right now with the, with the injury concerns. And he's right behind Bijan Robinson, Eckler and McCaffrey. But in dynasty, he's 27 and a half. He's going to be 28 this year. So there's people that are automatic AJ Pex uh, people in Dynasty, especially with running backs, where I know I'm going to get a discount. So if I'm realistic that this is a guy where all those things you said are great for this season, but the Browns could go ahead and draft somebody next year. The only other running backs on their roster are like Jerome Ford and Felton. Um, So at the end of the day, it's like Nick Chubb, this is potentially his big year. It's funny, we had a sixth-year running back finish as RB1 overall at the position last year in Eckler, and it hadn't happened in, since Jamal Charles before mm. that. So like sixth-year running backs don't usually finish RB1 overall, but Chubb's sitting there. I've I've said in redraft, like I've gotten some pushback for him, I'm kind of out at this cost unless it's a structural argument. But in Dynasty, certainly. I'll, I'll take on Chubb in Dynasty. I think that like if I have a contender, there might not be a better – like you know, value because of the age discount than Chubb. Like people are Saquon's a little younger, but Chubb's 27 and a half and he's coming off of his best season. And, you know, the guy played every game last year. And like you said, like he doesn't need to catch a lot of passes, but you're talking about a guy like, even if he can go back to 2019 where he got 36, like if he can give you 40 to 45 catches, like that sounds low, but for him that's no, great. great. I agree. Like he had, he's been in the twenties. Yep. Give me forty catches. I honestly think that's, and that's where like he the, needs to be in order to return value. I would ask you this, okay? Who scores more fantasy points in twenty twenty three? Nick Chubb or Bijan Robinson? I'm a Bijan Robinson truther, <laughs> and I think okay. So like, if you want to go, if you want to go Doctor Strange, like all like the multiverses here. There's probably several multiverses where Nick Chubb outscores Bijan Robinson, but the best possible scoring outcome is Bijan uh, Robinson. That's fair. Bijan Robinson. That's fair. And I think like if you're if you're going like the truly elite season, like Bijan could put up uh, a a legendary season that's if it fair. all goes well in there. That's fair. But I think yeah, I so think like, more times out of a hundred, Chubb outscores Bijan. Yet Bijan goes in the first round often in these redraft or best ball drafts, whereas Chubb is sitting there in round two. You can go, you know, uh, some 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 other elite player plus Chubb as opposed to you know spending that extra capital to get Bijan. I think it's close between those two. I think Bijan's getting a bit steamed up because he's such an enticing black box. It could be a boat. You also see like the ADP that we're reacting from this time of the, of the summer yeah. um, for redraft and, and also for best ball is tournament yep. play. So like if you see like the FFPC tournaments or the underdog tournaments, people are always trying to go for the younger players because it's not how you score for the year. Yep. It's how you also do in those last three weeks of if the you year. If the playoffs, that's right. So like yep. a 20, yep. yeah, like a 28 year old is less like 
that's the whole Jackson Smith and Jigba versus Tyler Lockett argument right now. Where in best ball, like people are like, well, Lockett's clearly going to outscore him. Yeah, but if Jackson Smith and Jigba gets going, he could put up three straight 20-pointers at the end of the season um, You know, if, if a few things work out. So like I, I'm with you. Like I think the, the bottom line is Chubb's a very, very good value right now. Um, I think he's going to set for a very big season. They are telling you how confident they are in him based on not bringing in somebody because I think the Browns view themselves as a big-time contender. Right. With Watson. Whether they are or not and they're is, like, is a question, but whether they think they are or not is not. And Stefanski, I think, knows what he's doing, and it's a year three for Stefanski. It's a very, very big year for him. There's potential for more shootouts because we ta- we think that Baltimore offense is going to be really yep. good. We know the Cincinnati offense is going to be really good, and you brought up the fact that Pittsburgh offense has to be better. They've, they're Dead better. last in, in touchdown passes, and I agree. I think Pittsburgh <laughs> is an underrated offense right now. I mean, um, yeah. But they were dead Matt, last Matt's in been touchdown making the, passes. making the case that this division might be the shootout division. It certainly is going to be more of a high-scoring division than it's been in the past when you factor in Todd Monken, when you factor in Pittsburgh's offensive improvements, when you factor in Cincinnati just being Cincinnati, and when you factor in you know um, Cleveland in a sort of a do-or-die situation with a quarterback that, look, man, they paid a lot of money to. They're not going to sit there and just sit on the ball. They need to make some make some things happen. So I'm, I'm with you a thousand percent on that shit. Hey, you, you mentioned something that made me think I'm going to ask you a question that I got asked by the, the great. And I use that term very loosely, the great Alan Soslowski. I almost use it inappropriately. I don't know if it's loosely or inappropriately. I think it's ironically. I use that term ironically, the great Alan Soslowski. I need to dunk on him whenever I can, Mr. Uh, Alan, uh, but in, in to keep it real, <laughs> Alan's one of the best like hosts when he's holding it down. He's so funny and he, and he's, and he keeps things going so well. Like you could have Alan with like six different yeah. hosts and Alan would be able to like ping it around and make it a functional podcast. Alan. So big hat. I love down. Alan, but I love picking yeah. on him too, because he feels so ripe for the picking. Um, so anyway, Alan asked somehow if, if in some way, this is a very fun question. There was a wide receiver that could pass Fast forward to 2024 offseason that could pass Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and become the wide receiver one in Dynasty. Who do you think could do that? It's Garrett Wilson. Mm. For me, it's Garrett Wilson. And and it's like there's been a very big uh, indicator of, of fantasy success by offensive rookie of the years that are not quarterbacks. They've hit like consistently. I don't have the list in front of me, but he reminds me a little bit of Odell Beckham mm. where he can just go. The guy's a beast and he has like I think it's it's the time of year where people are kind of like poking holes in 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 everyone's That's games. Right. Um and you know, they're trying to find holes in the situations, but at the end of the day, like the whole argument that Garrett Wilson doesn't match up with an Aaron Rodgers skill set cuz he likes to freelance <laughs> routes right. and stuff. It's just such a like give yeah. me a break. Like he's by far the best player. They're a team that's ascending. He he flashed the talent in year one. He's a top ten draft capital guy. He was an early breakout at Ohio State. Like played on loaded teams when he was eighteen years yep. old, and came in the league and did it in week two and did it with multiple quarterbacks. Yep. So at the end of the day, I would not bet on him getting no. to there. But I think he's got a much better chance than some of the other guys. Like, I love CeeDee yep. Lamb. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. I love Jalen Waddell. 
I don't think any of those guys are going to pass by the big two. But Garrett Wilson could be in a conversation where it's a big three, and he could go nuts and and end up end up you know surpassing him. I don't think that's completely out of the realm. I think he's that talented. Absolutely, fucking Garrett Wilson, one hundred percent. And you mentioned also uh, Ceedee Lamb. I think Chris Olave. You mentioned Waddle. I think they're all on the list. One of the things that you said that made me think of something was my answer, not not my actual answer, but like a dark horse answer. JSN. JSN is a dark horse yeah. answer for that question because like there's a, you know, I think I, I, I viewed the JSN Lockett Metcalf uh, year one of this thing, kind of like the Amari Cooper, CD Lamb Gallup thing, you know, where the way I mentioned it is like, they're all going to be close to a hundred targets probably with DK leading it. But like, you know, they're, you know, if you pencil them all in for 105 to 110, it's like, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. But there's a world where, like, you know, Lockett gets 80, you know what I mean? Uh, DK gets 110, and this kid gets 140. You know what I mean? It's possible. It's not, like, out of the question. I don't think it's probable, but it's possible. And if he does that and gets some crazy touchdown upside, and all of a sudden he's this fucking nightmare all over the place on this on the Seattle team, he has a chance to really increase in value. I really like JSN uh, long-term. I think he's an absolute stud. Your thoughts? He's been one of my guys at player profiler. Like we have like three guys we flag plant and, and I flag planted him before the NFL draft. And I, I can't get enough. I want all the JS. So you like my, I made a trade. Yeah. I love your answer. And he's, you think about the two of the, of the biggest fantasy production years of all, of all time at the wide receiver spot were the Cooper cup year in 2021. And then the Michael Thomas year. Uh, which I believe was 2019. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's kind of like that. Like he's an elite route runner. He's the kind of guy that a that an offensive coordinator might take a step back and say that my best plan this year is getting 170 targets, yeah. um, 180 targets to Jackson Smith right. and Jigba. And I think like like I like DK Metcalf a yes. lot. I have some DK in Dynasty, but I think it's kind of like a there's like a Mandela effect with with like what DK is. Like people remember DK and you're, if you ask people like what was DK's highest number of targets, they might say like 155 because last year he hit 140 and then he's had two double digit touchdown seasons, but neither one of those like elevated him into like the elite elite production. So like DK, we get the the lasting memory of the dominant playoff games. Yeah. Like you think about when he came out his rookie season and had the tremendous playoff game that kind of like stuck in your head. And you want to draft all the DK. Then this past year, like he goes out and puts it on the Niners in the lost and just looks unbelievable. He's a proper alpha, but I don't know. It's, it's like JSN is going to, is going to be, I mean, he's already worth more than him in dynasty to most people, I think. And a year from now, I think he's going to be worth a lot more than him in redraft. I just believe in that. I have a $350 bet with our friend, Billy Muzio, who's, who's, I, I bet him that Jackson Smith and Jigba finishes inside of, the top 36 wide receivers. It's such a low bar for me to I cross. I love that bet. Good and thing, the, and you know, it's a good thing Billy year, Muzio so. is, you know, well off because I'd feel bad. But yeah. no, I don't. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Take Thank the money. You. I Thank love you. that fucking bet. Take the money. That's a, that's your money. And you're, you're, you're a dynasty yeah. guy and you're a talent profile yeah. guy. But when we have these like rankers on some like very good, sharp people that, that I'm sure you follow and, and maybe interact with, like, 
like they're on Billy's <laughs> side because if you sit there with the spreadsheet and you start projecting Jackson Smith and Jigba with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for 16 games and then they tell you Oh, and also, you know, Pete Carroll always is in 12 personnel <laughs> and he likes getting, you know, all the running back touches. And I'm like, the fact that you're trying to talk about like Noah Fant well, and Will Disley, Disley yeah. and Colby yeah, Parkins, right. Parkinson and is like your argument against Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like if I'm an offensive coordinator, I want to keep my job for a long yeah. time. I'm going to have a little self-scouting and get this kid the ball. Like he's an absolute stud. Well, you can you he, can you like, can just and, see it. Uh Geno Smith in the quarterback room and they're asking him, "Hey man, what what's working? What's not working?" Look, not enough Will Disley is what I think, you know. Yeah. I mean, every time yeah. I drop back, there's just I I'm looking for Will Disley and he's on the sideline. Get his ass in the game cuz otherwise I don't know how the fuck I'm going to do this. I think also Geno's yeah, good. Geno's good. I think like Geno's like like very it's crazy good. that and he's I good think now, that this right? Could be, it's fucking nuts. It's, it's amazing. so cool. I I can't wait for the the thirty for thirty yes. or maybe the movie yeah. the movie to come yes. out in like ten years. It's going to be it's lit. so good. I I love them. Um, yeah, JSN was a legendary prospect. You know, we talked about um, well, we talked a little bit about the anatomy series before we went on on air. You know, and yeah, I mean, he was he was three point two six yards per team pass attempt, which you know is outstanding. He was he's just a, an elite level prospect. You know, when you look at reception perception, he was outstanding there. When you look at like his um, yards per team pass attempt or a success rate against man or zone. He was a zone beater in a way that's just fucking off the charts. But then he was also one of the best against man. So like he's he's just a an outstanding prospect. You got to JSN absolute our, uh, wide receiver one in this class. But the question is whether or not he's better than these you know CD Lamb, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave guys, or if he's you know, because it really falls in line with the with the Juju Smith Schuster, Amon Ross St. Brown, Cooper Cup profile. And those guys have t- and even C D to some degree, because C D Lamb came through the league and started as a slot. So I think all these guys have paved the way for JSN to be successful. And and to Matt Kelly's point, which are the wide receivers that have paved the way for Quentin Johnston's success? I don't know. I don't know. That it's it's and you know I'm not I'm not like I'm not anti Quentin no. Johnson like Matt no. is is very much uh, so I talked to you in the pre the pre show about this like my thing with Quentin Johnson is I don't I just think that if you think about like the wide receivers that have been hitting um and producing as wide receiver ones he just doesn't have that no. in his profile where a guy like Zay Flowers. <laughs> And and Jackson Smith and Jigba, like I can I can squint and see those guys like doing it really quickly. Quentin Johnson, I almost like more for this year and potentially next year, um, because Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have both missed time yeah. and they're both getting older. Like I like Quentin Johnson this year because this year, if one of those two guys goes down, I love Justin Herbert. I love that offense. And I think Quentin Johnson could be like a useful weekly starter this year if it all goes well. Yeah. You know, I I think he's more talented than Matt does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think Matt's onto something <clears throat> in the fact that there was just better picks in in this in this rookie rookie well, draft. Well, like, Matt, Matt's also uh, doing the thing where he's like, Am I in or out? Am I in or out? And he's like, I think I'm out. And then when he's out, he's like, Well, if I'm out, I gotta be all the way. Let's just fucking go for it. And I, I appreciate yeah. that. You yeah. know, because fuck it. Um, so yeah just have some balls and say it. So Matt gets all the fucking kudos for that. And, you know, of yeah. course all the haters will fucking dunk on him as soon as he has a good game. Who gives a shit? 
You know, who gives a shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't even matter. Um, but anyway, I, I, yeah, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, the one thing that will be true about Quentin Johnston is because he's attached to, um, you know, Justin Herbert, we will find out if he's any good. Like, if he's awesome, Justin Herbert will unlock him. If he sucks, like, you know, then if he doesn't succeed with Justin Herbert, then he sucks for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right? Um, yeah, I, I I think that's and also, you know, we can also put Kellen Moore yeah, in there. Sure. Where it's not gonna be it's not gonna be a scheme holding him sure. back because we've seen multiple wide receivers have success um, you know, in the Kellen Moore offense. Yeah, and, that's fair. Um, you know, Justin Herbert was able to get, you know, Josh Palmer uh seventy a seventy catch season and you yeah. know, you you had guys like Jalen Guyton having weekly success. So <laughs> right. If you can play, if you, and and Gerald Everett shows yep. up and in year one does some things, so like Justin Herbert is going to elevate very good players, and he's going to make okay players look okay. He can make every throw. So we'll know. He can make we'll every know. throw. There's yeah. not going to be a limiting throw. Like, well, I, we can't run that. Even though you're good at this, we can't run that because he can't. No, every throw is available, and uh, for that reason, you know, if Quinton's got it, it, it'll show in the first. Honestly, I think it'll show in the first year. Um, you know, we'll, we'll know, we'll know early on and maybe not in the first half of the first year, but I think by the, by the time, you know, the, the fantasy playoffs are rolling around. If, if we don't see it from Quentin, at least in, in spurts, you can, you can say that Matt was right. Um, we were talking about running backs. I want to go circle right back to running backs and the Dalvin cook effect. One of your favorite players is, and, and I might be with you. Tell me a little bit about your thoughts in this regard. Devon a chain. It, right now is like I it's I've never seen a player at this date like we're almost at August 1st and you could tell me like if Dalvin doesn't sign there you could say he gets almost 200 carries almost 75 targets flirts with an RB1 season and is one of the most prolific game-breaking running backs in the league or if Dalvin signs there you can be like yeah he just basically is like glorified Naheem Hines and doesn't do shit all year and I would believe both. I'm ready for both. And I don't know how to treat them in dynasty and, and almost more specifically redraft right now. It's like, do you push the button on this dude? What are your thoughts? Cause I know you love a chain as a player. Well, I think in redraft right now, I think he's very much a value because he's a 10th round uh, pick yeah. because, and not a 10th round pick because of his situation, a 10th round pick about what could become his situation. Right. So like, one of the big indicators of future NFL success is success in the Southeastern Conference. Mm. He has that. He has elite speed, and by all of the and, and like when I, and elite speed, like like real real <laughs> yes. speed. And and the guy, uh, like all you can find his track highlights where he's running away from like SEC track and field runners. It's like the guy's in a, like a truly elite runner. And also, I think it's interesting that apparently he's playing in the one nineties now. Yep. Where he was, you know, at the combine, you know, you worry about him being in the 180s. If you start talking about him being 195, like that's something. Yep. And I and he's never going to be a big back, but he landed absolutely perfectly where Mike McDaniel was able to have so much out of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, getting them into yep. space. You knew it was coming yep. and he you could not stop it. Those guys had an over 50% uh combined target share. Um, and they both crushed, both finished inside of the top eight at the wide receiver position. Tyreek Hill, again, 170 targets, ridiculous. So I think Mike McDaniel really, really gets it. 
And then you also had weekly production at the running back position with guys like Mostert and you guys like Wilson. Now he goes and drafts A-Chain. Like, A-Chain can really do it. And I think that this is the perfect scheme for him. And I think he can get out in space. Like, you say 200 carries. Like, I don't know if he'll get 200 carries. But I do believe he's going to have – I do believe he's going to have – like a bunch of weeks that help us this yes. year. And in Dynasty, I ended up getting quite amount, a quite a good amount of them. Uh, I think that there was he was in an interesting tier because I also like Kendra yep. Miller. And Kendra Miller and him were kind of close to one oh, another. Yes. So I, I think like I have exposure to both. But like A Chain this year could really, really surprise people. I think he's a stud. And I think that longevity would be the argument yeah. because the guys his size don't usually stick. And help our teams, but we we continually talk about this. Like we just talked about this in early in the yeah. show. We can't have this like long, long, long term approach. Right. You tell me, A chain's out of the league in five years. Sure, of course, That's, totally. I'll, yeah. Okay, believe I, it. I would bet on it. But yeah. if he, but if he has, you know, if he has three, you know, RB two seasons, I would also believe yeah, that. I sure. believe that's an absolute possibility. You know, Theo, so it, I think he's Theo, got it's it. It's funny man. you say that because like early in the off season, you know, most of my rookie drafts, I don't even think I have. I know there's a lot of dynasty leagues that draft before the NFL draft, but basically I, I drafted everything after the NFL draft. And, you know, I had a love affair with Izzy Abanacanda, and all I wanted was round three Izzy Abanacanda to the Miami Dolphins. That's all I wanted. You know, I was like, I'm just so fucking ready for Mike McDaniel to be like, because I thought A-Chain was going to go in the second round to some of, you know, yeah, like a uh, James Cook spot. You know, the James Cook draft spot was where I thought, you know, we'd see A-Chain because I think he's better than – James Cook. Anyway, so I was like, oh, dude, a Banacanda to Miami. And then we see A-Chain land in the spot that I'm just prepping for my guy. And then I was just pushing the button on A-Chain over and over and over. And then I got like, oh, shit. I'm fucking drafting this 180-pound fucking running back with reckless abandon and rookie drafts. Like, what am I doing? So I started to shift a little bit and, and take some – you know, take some Kendra over him. And I'm, I'm kind of equally distributed. I, I did have a lot of late firsts, um, obviously, because I'm awesome at fucking fantasy football. No, that's maybe it's true. Maybe it isn't. Whatever. But you're good. Yeah, you're good. No, you're good. I mean, I did have, I, look, I do have a lot of one tens every year. It feels like I, in other words, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Um, one tens my slot, you know, lose the first round of the playoffs, win the second one, one ten. I'm the fucking man. Give me the one ten every year. The least amount of money, most amount of fucking the best team. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm the 110. Anyway, so the 110 every year in every single league was either, you know, Kendra or or, or A-Chain. And yeah, I, I, I wanted to draft every bit of A-Chain. It just felt like too much. And I just wonder now, you know, I just get so excited about this kid. I mean, in that offense, you said it. It was like listening, watching porn, listening to you talk about A-Chain with McDaniel and Waddle and Tyreek Hill, all that speed. It's going to be very, very awesome if Dalvin doesn't go there. And, you know, Jeff Wilson can take the just the heavy lifting, you know, the the 10 to 12 carries a game where it's, you know, someone just needs to fucking – running on up there in the middle, you know, but then when it's like scoring time and, you know, these, these, these high pressure moments late in the game, a chains out there, you can just see it. You close your eyes. You can fucking see it. Just speed all over the field, swing passes to a chain for like, I, 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 I said it was a lot like the uh, Jarek McKinnon role, except he's much, much better as a rusher than McKinnon ever could dream of being. 
And if you could imagine that on a team with speed, creativity, and a good quarterback, the A-chain arrow is way up. I'm just so afraid of Dalvin. Yeah, I mean, I think we all should be afraid of Dalvin. I think Dalvin could mess up a lot of a lot of situations, but there's only really one Dalvin out yeah, there. That's right. Um, so it's yeah. like it's like they can't. And it's funny how we we keep mentioning like the entire AFC yes, East. Yes, Ramondre. Oh my god, on a, yeah, Brees. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. A chain. Oh my god. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I, honestly, you could go but to again, Buffalo. Like, send Dalvin to Buffalo. Who gives a shit? Send send yeah, send Dalvin to Buffalo. That would be that would be, be great. Um, I would love my Saquon trade even even more with that one too. That would be that would be like a double uh, a double yes. hit. But but like a chain, it's also the fact that they don't have a number three pass catcher. Like that is something that's Correct. really interesting. Where he could carve out a weekly role like that. And I thought that's that's funny. Like the from the like the OTAs, all of the Dolphins players were reacting were saying how a chain was being used as a receiver out of the yeah. backfield. That's what's the most exciting thing about him because, like, you think about the Mike McDaniel offense. Like, if A chain becomes a thing out of the backfield with with Hill and Waddle at wide receiver, yeah. like, gosh, I mean, he could just eat eat space in front of him, get him <laughs> right, out in space, honestly. and then he's also a very scary player on like draws. Yes. He's a good inside yes. runner, um, and he broke out as a freshman at at A and M. Like the, you know, it's funny is like you see all these 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 uh, highlights on Twitter, and you're able to like see like after a while you kind of know the games. Like everybody knows the Anthony Richardson, yeah, the spinning run yeah. against against LSU against LSU. Like you've seen it like at eight thousand times now. Uh, a bunch of Bijan Robinson highlights against Oklahoma are out there, and then the A chain people love showing like that game against North Carolina in the bowl where he had like his huge breakout game. That was him as a freshman as an SEC team like doing it in that bowl game. And it's like, I don't know, A-Chain checks off a lot of boxes to me. I think people are sizes. And I think sizes, you are, are like, it's it's okay to be a sizist in football. Like, you know, betting against the smaller guy, you know, oftentimes you, you get wins there. But when those guys hit, they can really, really hit. I'm not going crazy. He's not Chris Johnson. But you think of some of these, uh, you know, explosive smaller backs, like, you know, having massive success. If McDaniel can figure out how to how to use him properly as a receiver, like he could be an RB two immediately as a rookie, and you get him in the tenth round. And in dynasty, he is the like you talk about like being able to pivot off of a guy and get somebody plus. Yeah, that's the guy. Like, yeah, and I think some people took him in some leagues. He was taken kind of a little bit apprehensively. He wasn't taken because it was your that's guy. Right. He's taken because I'm supposed to take a chain <laughs> in this range, and maybe I got him at the two hundred one. Yes. So I'm not I'm not married That's to right. him. Sure, you can have a chain in this. That's super a great one. point. So make, That's a great yeah. point. Yeah. That's a great point. That he is yeah. attainable in Dynasty for all these reasons. Maybe A Chain's a guy that you trade for. You trade a, a a better running back, a Dobbins, and get A Chain plus. That's that's very possible yeah. and probable. No, I, yeah. I love it. And I'm 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 in on A Chain. And like you, it would it would be awful if Dalvin Cook signs there, but I still think like at the end of the day. He'd still be a a handcuff plus. Yeah. Like everything we like about, he'd be like Jalen Warren on steroids. Yeah, where the guy, if yes. he's like certainly, certainly Dalvin Cook would Dalvin Cook would like would nuke Wilson. Yes, like completely nuke. Yes, him. but I don't think he completely nuke. That's A-chain. fair. That's actually true. Yeah. And actually, if Dalvin goes there, trading for A Chain at that moment would probably you know 
in the in the wake of the Dalvin signing would be the best time to trade for a chain because he would be very inexpensive and there's no guarantee that uh, Dalvin will stay healthy as he has not uh, proven to be so and there's also no proof that they wouldn't they wouldn't use some sort of a split at the running back position which is what we already sort of assume a chain's going to see we don't need a chain to see 20 carries we're talking about i said approach 200 that's 10 a game one you know 170 is 10 a game like if he gets somewhere in the eight to 10 carries a game. That's fine. Just as long as he's involved here and there, if he can get, you know, 50 yards per game on the, on the ground, that's five points. You know, it's just a little bit, maybe a little bit of touchdown upside here and there, five points a game from the rushing game. And then, you know, the, the, the four to eight targets per game where he's, you know, generally involved in the pass game, another 50 yards of, of receiving. Maybe that's probably a little bit, you know, generally speaking in those receptions. Now all of a sudden he's a 10 plus point, per game player with huge spike week opportunities, right? He's got a little bit of a floor and enough and enough ceiling. And that could happen if they were to sign uh, uh, Dalvin. He could still have somewhere close to that. But yet in that wake of his signing, people would be like, well, A-Chain's dead. And you could probably swoop in and, and get him for nothing. Good point. Um, going to Kansas City real quick. Couple things I want to talk about in Kansas City. Uh, first off, it sounds like Pacheco is going to be given the opportunity to be a lead back, so to speak, um, sort of the starter, the guy they lean on. You know, fifteen to twenty carries per game. I'm not so sure they see him as a pass catching threat. I think that's more so still Jarek McKinnon, but you know, there's just a little bit of whisper and a little bit of excitement still behind Daneric Prince. Any thoughts of him ever sort of overtaking Isaiah Pacheco outside of an injury? You know, I'm I, I'm going to say never say never because I think that the the Chiefs showed you last year that they're going to play whoever they want to play at running yeah. back with Pacheco. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they start the year out with, with CEH scoring all of those touchdowns and then eventually it becomes Pacheco getting all these carries in the playoffs. So it's like, I think that, it's there's a certain learning curve for for the Andy Reid offense, right. but if he's not having to be a pass catcher, like Prince doesn't catch right, the ball. Right. Like I know they they say, and I've I have read some people in in uh like some of the reports out of KC say he looks okay catching yeah. the ball, but at Tulsa they they never threw it to him. He had like 15 catches as a collegiate or something yeah. like that. Like not nothing. Um, and then I also I also read that there was a couple people comparing him a little bit to like Niall Davis. Mm which I thought was interesting. Um, I'll, I'll never say never. I certainly think that if you have Pacheco and you don't want to sell high on Pacheco and dynasty, because again, like you've had found money with Pacheco last year. I saw a lot of people selling out of him. Yeah, It's definitely a short-term window with Pacheco, a very short-term window yeah. going and getting Prince to be on your roster costs you nothing. And it might be in a, in a deeper it's dynasty format. That might Pacheco. be a, yeah. 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 Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, um, CEH is the McKinnon and Prince is the Pacheco, right? I mean, those are the roles on the squad. Now, it's certainly possible that CEH could catch passes and whatever, but basically that's how it goes. And I think it's Pacheco and McKinnon until someone – look, there's another out for Pacheco too, which is that the fumbling issue. Like all of a sudden, if he just can't fix that for some fucking stupid reason, which would be crazy – 
it could be that that is his demise. It's not just injury or being outplayed. The kid runs. So I, first of all, if you don't like Isaiah Pacheco as a football player, you don't like football. That's a fact. That's yeah. a fucking like, that's a fact. He, he runs like a it's lunatic. It's awesome, dude. I love Yeah, him. it's it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I fucking yeah. love it. Re- Reckless oh. abandon. But like, like, and, and like, you know, he, he plays, he plays like running back, like violently, yeah. like unafraid of, of contact and, and going into people like, yeah, I, I, Pacheco's real yes. fun. He's really, There's really fun. There's a difference but- between like my football brain and my fantasy football <laughs> brain. You know, it's like, like Debo, Debo is one of my fucking favorite players on the planet. Like if I, if I had a football team, I'd want Isaiah Pacheco and Debo Samuel on that football team. Like, there is no question. A hundred percent. Those motherfuckers are on the football team. But in fantasy, it's like, eh, eh whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, eh, yeah, exactly. Eh, exactly. Eh, whatever. Um, also in KC, um, Kadarius Tony, Pinocchio, Cadaver the Tony, Charlie Casserly's favorite wide receiver over Justin Jefferson, Kadarius Tony, likely to miss time, hurt again. Pinocchio is broken. What do you say about Kadarius Tony? I think time is a flat circle. <laughs> we get we get excited about Tony, then something happens. Then we get excited about Tony, then something happens, and that it's been a multiple. It's like it hap- it happens all the time. Like you had the 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 excitement in New York, then he gets absolutely turfed last off season. Everybody talked themselves into Tony again. People are drafting him in like the sixth round of redraft. Like people were all in on Tony. Nothing goes to Kansas City. We get our hope back. He flashes on that first touchdown yes. where he had like the most swag you've ever yes. seen on the first <laughs> yes. touchdown. Literally, yeah. like, oh my God, Tony's here, yes. and then nothing. Um, like there was whole podcast, you know, based on that. This is Tony's time, and nothing. Yeah. And then you know now it, it's he's hurt again. So I don't know. I I I'm starting to get a little bit intrigued by Sky Moore mm. because I think like Sky Moore is kind of just chilling and um. I'm kind of interested in him in case the Tony thing doesn't work out because I think they have similar what skill do you mean sets in some case the Tony thing doesn't work out. Like the Tony thing's the, not, dude, you know, I've yeah, been trying to tell yeah. people the Tony thing's not working out, and nobody wants to fucking hear it. He's the number like he's being drafted as a like right around like Gabe Davis, and it's like what are you yeah. talking about, Kadarius? Like I, I don't know, maybe I'm just an asshole, and that's probably true. But like Kadarius Tony, no chance, no chance. Um, I mean, especially at cost. Like again, you're you're paying less for Sky Moore, you're paying less for Rashi Rice, and you're paying way less for the best prospect on that team. By far and away is Justin Ross. He's gone through some huge adversity and might not be ever back ever again. I don't know exactly what is possible with Justin Ross, but if we get in a fucking time machine and go back three years, four years, and say, who's Justin Ross? Justin Ross was the wide receiver one in his own draft class. He was a a huge producer as a freshman at Clemson and was destined for greatness and then suffers a horrific situation with his neck injury. Career is over, has fought all the way back. I mean, Hamlin might get comeback player of the year, but Justin Ross could also win comeback player of the year. Justin Ross is a real boy. He's the anti-Pinocchio. 
He's a real wide receiver in the NFL if he can put it all together and his health holds. So what is the likelihood that Justin Ross leads that team in receiving at the wide receiver position? I don't think it's that likely. Again, you talked about the get him out the, of here. Like, get him out of overcome. here. This podcast is but, over. I'm joking, but I, I would be the greatest story ever. And I think the fact that he's back for like a, they've had him in multiple seasons yeah. now. The, the The Chiefs did the same thing. Like they went out and got Josh Gordon yeah. when there was a chance for the Gordon yeah. comeback. I think that Andy Reid really believes in in this guy's if talent. only weed were legal and, though you know what i mean if only we yeah. wait what i mean give me Hold a on. break this just give in. me a break this yeah, just yeah. <laughs> give me a break man i mean the whole josh gordon thing was like if if he just played 10 years from now when yeah. you know there'd be weed advertisements on nfl fields and stuff in 10 years <laughs> literally yes and yeah and and josh gordon's like Sponsored in this, this ridiculous Kush. time yeah yeah exactly um Shit! By then, it's going to be probably legal in in, in Ohio and in Cleveland. Brought been, to you by Maui. Yeah. Wowie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I don't know. I think that Justin Ross, though, this year, he could carve out a mm-hmm. role. Um, but again, the the injury was so significant. I, I don't know. It's it's again. It's uh, he's probably a th- more of a threat to like MVS. Yeah, just in terms of like you know, get him downfield, keep it simple, route tree. And a couple big plays downfield, and you know that's probably the the out. Perfectly, but yeah, a perfectly it's terrible. thrown ball directly to MVS's hands is a threat to MVS. There you go, there you go. The the most frustrating player in, oh in the history God, of the league dude. who gets paid a lot more than Saquon. It Barkley, looks like they said to him, figure. "Hey, listen, when you go catch it, you can't catch it on the first try. You got to kind of bat it around a bit." So that's yeah. the rule. Sorry. So when you have a ball <laughs> thrown perfectly, like right to the center of your face mask. Be sure to pat at it like a like a frayed kitten. You know what I mean? And then catch it. You know, that's what it looks like when he's catching the football. Yeah, and drop a <laughs> drop a wide open one in the end zone just to keep people interested <laughs> and make sure they're watching yeah. watching till the end yeah. of the game. Yeah, absolutely. He's the fucking worst. I hate MVS. And I used to love him too, because I was like, this kid's like kind of good. He's got a big body, he's fast. Like, but dude, watching him sometimes, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes sometimes is like watching film going. Is this really is this really the best you can do for me? Like, are you fucking kidding me? So yes, Justin Ross is better than MVS. He's not faster than MVS, but like I even mentioned it like on a few pods ago. I was like, you know, um, MVS plays so that he can stretch the field, and you know, I get that. You know, there's there's certain utility that we talked about it with Jalen Hyatt, but I think Justin Ross can also spread stretch the field vertically from the outside. A la like Mike Williams. Mike Williams isn't fast, but he can he can I think Justin Ross is a hell of a play. I, I just think that, you know, Scott Barrett, you know, lived so that I can die or died so I can live. I don't know what the just, Scott Barrett's been out in front of this Justin Ross thing. I'm kind of in the wake. I'm I'm just following along. I just think that I, I believed in him as a prospect and all this shit that he's gone through. If it's possible that he still has you know, his elite level athleticism and can do this. I, I just believe in him as a prospect. So I'm here for Justin Ross, especially at cost. Go get yourself some Justin Ross is all I'm saying, because he's so free that you can just get, get a trade where, you you know, some like we're talking about these running backs, trade this running back for that running back, but find a way to, to fold Justin Ross in there. And if he hits, he hits. I mean, here's the thing. If MVS hits, he you know, he doesn't hit at all. He still doesn't hit. You know what I mean? He's never going to be elite. Yeah. If Justin Ross hits his ceiling, 
you actually have a player there. You have a you know wide receiver two three at the end of the day, especially attached to Patrick Mahomes. What's what's going to be interesting is if the Justin Ross like whispers keep going until the preseason, yeah. and you see him make a spectacular catch in a preseason Oof. game, then it's like people are going to start getting super excited. Um, you know, they're going to start getting really, really excited. You'll start seeing him go like moving up and redraft. Um, and again, like dynasty is a different beast though. The guys already had a huge, huge, huge injury. Those kind of guys are harder to bet they on, are. but certainly for this, this year, um, I think there's just like a lot of like ambiguity in Kansas city right now. I think the steam for Kadarius Tony has been there. You're seeing sky Moore's getting steamed up a little bit, but not like super, super expensive. And you know there'll be some Rashi Rice stuff this this preseason as well. There's already has been. So, like, people want to see a secondary pass catcher. Last year, it was freaking Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. And, you know, there's the best quarterback maybe we've ever seen in the history of our lives. So, I mean, I think he can support multiple pass catchers to Travis Kelsey. And then here's the other yeah. question. How does Kansas City look if Travis Kelsey misses some Ooh. time? Because he's he's older. Sheesh. And he's he's older and he hasn't ever really missed any significant time. And he's very good about not taking big hits. But if he misses six games, how does the target distribution go in Kansas City? They're still going to score points. They will still score they points. Will still score Patrick Mahomes points. and Andy Reid. And at the end of the day, like there's contingent upside, you know, based on the fact that you've got a 34 year old tight end and a bunch of guys who nobody wants to draft besides the one who's always letting us down. Yeah. So it's a, the weirdest situation ever. Mahomes is the number one quarterback off the board. Yeah. And after Tony, like they're all kind of free. Yeah, it's true. No, great point. So I wanted to. Uh, we're, 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 you know, you got to get going. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. I got, I got a little. We're I getting got a little. there. Got a we're little. We're getting there. We're not there. But this is kind of an important question. On a scale of one to ten, how worried were you about Jordan Addison's dog? You know, it's so funny how the the narrative shifts from <laughs> irresponsible driver. <laughs> Hero to, to wonderful dog owner. <laughs> yeah. And I have I, I have had dogs for years. At one point I had three. I still have one. Um, so we're always gonna have a dog in the Greminger household. Yeah. We're dog people. My kids love the dog. And when I hear heard that, I think he's he he's probably full of it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's the ultimate answer. Yeah. <laughs> Because people people would do anything for their dog. If you tell me that I got to drive 140 miles Done. an hour because my dog needs something. What the fuck's something? the problem? Yeah. He was fucking yeah. saving his dog. What are you, some sort of communist? This fucking guy. Do you hate dogs? Yeah, what, do you hate yeah, dogs? Yeah, all of a sudden now, you know? we, cancel culture is coming for you. You can't hate a dog. That's right. It was unbelievable. I thought that was the best <laughs> heel toe I've ever seen. It was, it, was, it was an incredible, incredible pivot. Yeah. And a hat tip to whoever... <laughs> I hope it was Jordan Addison who himself came up with that. What do you want me to do? My but if somebody told him, if I, if that's his agent, he's like, yo, Jordan, just tell everybody <laughs> you had to go help your dog. Then that's the greatest agent yes. ever. And that guy should get like the biggest, biggest raise in the history Absolute of agents. Cause that's like, that's, inc- that's incredible. That's Jerry Maguire level. Yes. So, yes. Um, but I, I'll say, I love Jordan Addison. Yes. You know, again, the guy was driving super fast. You talk about athletes driving too yeah, fast. There was no, it's not a substance thing. Nope. The guy's driving too fast. It's not a good thing. But if it was for his dog, I can forgive it, certainly. Yeah, it's interesting, of course, that these young guys, I mean, I, I think of myself when I was 20 or whatever. I drove fucking way too fast all the time. I don't know about you. Did yeah. you? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that when you're, you're, you're younger, you take, like, 
people love to 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 pick on what NFL players are yes. doing, you know, on their own free time. But at the end of the time, if you if you think back to like what you were doing when you were in college, Jesus Christ, like good God, I'm I'm glad Bro. like there was there you know people didn't have their cell phone videos out like back Fuck then. What I was doing last weekend. Um, I mean, it's like come on, yeah, man. Exactly. I, I mean, exactly. The fucking judgy pricks out there who judge these 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 athletes are, need to go straight to hell. Like honestly, you guys are fucking pounding Coors Lights on your fucking back porch, you fucking losers. Like I, I'm with you, man. You know, oh, what a loser driving 140. Who would do that? It's like, dude, you, were you ever a fucking millionaire with a fucking Lamborghini at 20 years old? No, you weren't. And if you were, yeah. you'd have been speeding in that fucking car, you hypocritical piece of shit. So I hate it. Whether your dog was fucking dying or not, you would have fucking done it for no reason, and you probably would have been fucked up at the time. So go fuck yourself. I always am with you a thousand percent on this take everybody's so judgmental now on the flip side i will say that every effort should be made to protect these guys from themselves because it's only evident that they'll do this you know what i mean so like if i'm a leader of these men an agent i will say listen hey listen don't do anything don't do any of these things i'd make a list of shit you don't do don't drink and drive why? Because you're rich. You can just get a fucking Uber or a driver or whatever. Don't fucking drive too fast because I can just get you a racetrack. We'll go to a racetrack and you can fucking drive on the racetrack. Like don't do all the dumb things that you could fuck up your whole career. Don't do any of that because that's how you get all your money. So don't ever do this. And if you want to do any of these things, call me and I'll fucking hook it up. Oh, cocaine? Yeah, don't ever do that in public. I've got a place for you to go do this. You just go like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers in a cave. You just do it that way. Everything will be yeah. fine. I got you. I'm your agent. I'm protecting you. It's just too much at risk for these guys to fuck it up. But they are young, rich men who can have sex with all these women. Like they that is the, the reality that they're facing. So, of course, they're 20-year-old dudes are going to do this shit. So the hypocrisy can go fuck itself. What do you think? Yeah. I think that's that's absolutely it. And I think that, again, these are guys are like Jordan Addison should be in college. Like he's like treat him as a college, <laughs> yes. you know, he, a college. Like if you were going in the senior year, of I was college, tearing down stop signs saying, that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> dude, you were doing whatever you had. No, you had no yes. like, you know, long term thought <laughs> process. You were having yes. fun. Yeah. And again, like these guys, they already do have an incredible amount of pressure on their shoulders to perform. It's incredible. There's very, very few jobs um, where you do one thing and a million people are going to comment right. on it. That happens for NFL, especially for NFL wide receivers. You're not an offensive lineman. You're not in the trenches. Most people cannot watch an NFL uh, game and say how good the linebackers are unless it's an elite player. Yeah. But when you're a wide receiver, anybody can watch and and, and see how these guys yeah. are doing because the ball is getting thrown to them. So like, I think Jordan Addison's a great and, and player. What other, what I mean, other I think professions the, do you just graduate college and you're at the fucking top of the mountain? Like immediately, like actor, actors, and 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 NFL players. There's very few other right? things. Like and like the 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 billionaire tech people that come up with a ridiculous idea. That's yeah. It. There's like there's no other zero point one doctors. Doctors take forever. Like you got to go through. Yeah, f- lawyers, lawyers, lawyers take forever. Doctors they take have to forever. Go through residency. You know, Do you know how much of a pain yeah. in the ass residency is? Like you're up. You're you're working like yeah. twenty hours a day. You sleep for three. You eat for one. You do it again. It's like what. It's and, ridiculous. And you have a beeper, you have a beeper on you 24/7. You need to be on right. call. Yes. Like there's no like you put you put your time in if you end up getting to that level of yeah, medicine. There's nobody. NFL players, you can become Justin Jefferson and you can show up and you be 22 years old and you're the best yep. in the world. Yep. 
athlete is it. The athlete's the only thing that's so it's the most pressure and the most reward. And off, yeah, but, exactly. So know? anyway, well, we've we've solved that. Jordan, call me. I got you, baby. You know, yeah, yeah. We can go, Jordan. Jordan. Jordan, come on, come on the Player Profiler Network. <laughs> Come on, come on. Call come, me. We'll come, go come do cocaine and, and race cars. Jack. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. Yeah. I fucking got you. We'll do it there in private. Go. I got you. Don't, don't even worry about it. Uh, speaking of doing cocaine, who do you think you'd prefer, uh, Quentin Johnson or Zay, Zay Flowers right now as it is? I mean, because Quentin was drafted. And I'll say this too, by the way. We just talked about JSN. He's the fucking man. I think Jordan Addison yeah. is clearly wide receiver two and like in a tier of his own if, if we were to draft rookie draft right now. You agree with that too? I love Jordan Addison. I have a ton of yeah, Jordan so Addison. So then, for sure. So I'm, I'm completely right. with you. Yeah, and I think a year from now, like we could be talking about Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison like we talk about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, yes. like that level of a wide receiver Brown, two, Devontae wide receiver Smith. one. Yeah. I, right in that, right in that yep. ballpark. I think Addison's like – Addison could be like a Stephon Diggs, somewhere between Diggs and I Judy. Addison. Somewhere between Diggs Dude, and I Judy. I love it. I love it. So yeah. when, it, when you step down now, you got to take a third wide receiver – is the answer like even like Marvin Mims or someone else, or is it Zay Flowers over Quentin? For me, I had Zay Flowers ahead of ahead of Quentin. Mm. Um, again, I'm willing to be wrong on this, and I think when the when again, it's like one thing you know how it is. Like when you rank, so when I'm ranking, I it's different. Like I want to follow my own rankings to a T, but if you play in thirty dynasty yeah, you leagues. Have to- Mix it up. Yeah. yeah. And again, tiers come into play. Yeah, you wish you could put some so ties like, in your rankings. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A ties would be, that would be a great way yeah. to, you'd have like that. Uh, if you just have like flat tiers, yep. um, Zay flowers, I think is a stud. And I think Baltimore thinks he's a I stud. Agree. And I think that at the end of the day, Zay flowers, Rashad Bateman can't stay on the field. And Odell Beckham's an older yep. player that continually gets yep. hurt. I'll throw out also the fact that I don't know if they're going to be as completely reliant on Mark Andrews as they have been in the past. Cause I think they're going to be in multiple wide receiver sets. I think that they're going to play a modern offense and they just paid Lamar Jackson all this yeah. money. And one day late, actually, no, not even one day later, we were in Kansas city for the draft. And a few hours later, they end up drafting Zay flowers after Lamar got yeah. the bag. Cause that was on day one of the NFL draft. So like Zay flowers, Played at Boston College and completely ripped yes, it up. Yes, he did. Like there's no one, no one there for him. Lack of quarterback play, and he completely crushed it. And his film, he just looks like it's like Matt brings up guys like Quentin Johnson, kind of busting. But these guys like Zay Flowers, like Zay Flowers, you bring up Debo, like Zay Flowers when he has the ball in his hands looks like a mini Debo. And in terms of route running, like he's right there. Explosiveness, he's right there. He weighed more than Jordan Addison at the combine and he ran faster than Jordan Addison at the combine. So like, I know that's not Addison's game and that's kind of picking, picking a, you know, he's not a pure speed guy, but Zay flowers checked all the boxes uh, for me for be a smaller receiver. So I, I really think that Zay flowers going to end up being something. I think that at the, at the, the maximum like outcome result for both of them, Quentin Johnson has a, a higher peak level because if Quentin Johnson really, really hits with like that yak ability at his size with Justin Herbert, like he really, really hits. But I think more likely than not, Zay Flowers is going to have way more usable fantasy seasons and more, way more longevity. I'm on Zay ahead of Quentin Johnston, and I have a little bit more Zay than Quentin Johnson in yeah. Dynasty. 
<clears throat> I think that's fair. I like that. I like that. I'll let you have the last word there. Um, let's move on to one last thing. It's my hobby horse. And I feel like it's come. Well, let's, uh, I'll give you two, two minutes on the Sam Laporta question. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you Sam Laporta. Uh, how do I say this? Look, man, he's, he's, he's getting a lot of good press. He was an early second round pick. There was a lot of film guys who were like, dude, Sam Laporta, what's your, what, what the fuck? You know what I mean? They were like, dude, did you, are you aware that Sam Laporta, like everybody was super excited. And I feel like the dynasty community was maybe a little bit late to the party. And so they're resting on their priors a little bit with him, but why isn't it that maybe Sam Laporta is the tight end one in this class? I think he absolutely could be. I'm still a Dalton Kincaid guy. I love Dalton Kincaid, but I have a ton of Laporta. It's funny because I we we got into it on about Mayer, who you were lower yes. on than than I was in the early process. But I didn't end up with really any Mayer on my dynasty teams. It wasn't really by design. It was just he was getting drafted as tight end too. So I would either take Kincaid, and in teams that I didn't get Kincaid, I would end up with Laporta. And now it's funny because in in redraft and in and in uh, best ball, Laporta has lapped Mayer so hard it's not even, not close. even close. Like Mayer's free yeah. right now. Like you can get Mayer in tight end premium FFPC drafts in like the nineteenth, twentieth round. Like Laporta, you starting to see steam up. Like Kincaid's been like on the cusp of tight end one land uh, immediately, but now you're starting to see Laporta in that high end tight end two range yeah. where you're taking them in the 12th round of tight end premium 13th round like there's laporta truthers and if you play a lot of underdog there's people who are pushing laporta way way up because of the spike yeah. week potential so yeah. like laporta can boogie the guy right. has great yak ability um yeah. and and everything like we're looking for in terms of fantasy success Bingo. at the tight end position that's laporta yeah. i do think kincaid um for me if one guy in this class is going to turn into like a Zach Ertz like player, I think it's Kincaid. It. But that doesn't mean Laporta can't just be a baller, yep. like a straight up just baller. Like the guy, he's in the right offensive system. Ben Johnson is able to maximize so many of these yes. guys. Like, you know, you think about like the, even in weeks Amon Ross St. Brown was out, they're still able to easily move the ball and churn out yards. Now they've added a Laporta. I think at the, like, when Jamison is healthy with Amon Ross St. Brown like and Laporta, that's that's really, really yeah, it's good. It's really good. If, if, so, and Gibbs and everything. I mean, someone yeah. had asked me, what about the touch squeeze? And and that's fair. You know, with with uh with you know Jamison and Amon Ra and Gibbs, Gibbs is gonna be a target, you know, monster for time, sure. Um, but I would just say, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, there's gonna be maybe about a hundred tight end targets at you know. In Detroit, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. It's like my question is, what percentage of those eighty to one hundred and twenty tight end targets does Laporta get? And I would say most of them. You know what I mean? Like the way it's going. Yeah. Like at first, it's like sometimes you you see the rookie tight ends. You're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe fifty percent of the tight end targets will go to him. You know, that's kind of how I look at it. Like, you know, because it's like, well, he's just not there yet. He's going to take a year, or whatnot. But the 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 reports out of Detroit is that that Laporta's like excelling at everything. And like, he's running with the ones, he's the guy, like they're, they fucking love him. Like, Holy shit, this guy's good. Well, if he's good, it doesn't mean that, Oh, all of a sudden he's going to 
be a 150 target guy. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that now he actually has legitimate weekly and, and seasonal upside because if he sees the vast majority of the tight end targets, that means he could finish with, you know, 60 to 100 targets somewhere in there. You know what I mean? Like I don't know exactly how many, but we're not talking about a 40, 50 target guy. You know, we're talking about something more uh, in his in his first season, and certainly Kincaid has that upside as well, given the fact that he could play a bit of slot and. The Zach Ertz comp just fucking writes itself with Kincaid. There's no doubt. But um, but yeah, Laporta, you know, he sort of profiles with his tackle breaking and 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 the way that he plays is closer to a Kittle Kelsey type of player. So he has that upside. No one, including me, is saying that he is that player. I'm saying that that's where his profile leads him. If you go to best case scenario, which is Mayer, I think you know his best case scenario kind of leads him to Fryermuth. You know what I mean? Now, it's a better yeah. chance that he hits Fryermuth than Laporta hits Kelsey. I would fucking, of course, say that. But my point is, I think that the ceiling is a bit capped with Mayer. Would you agree with all that analysis? I think that's perfectly fine. And I think that the argument for Mayer is, I think Mayer is going to have multiple tight end one seasons. I think he could have a bunch sure. of them. But I don't think he's going to have those top you know, three to five sure. seasons where I think Kincaid and Laporta have that. Yep. That's a great point. I'll say that the, the, the fear with Laporta, I would say, even though they spent the the early second round capital on him, is he's a little bit smaller, and sometimes those those t- small and you know again you could make the same argument for Kincaid. I'm just yeah. not, but the sometimes the smaller tight ends they don't play as many every downs, game, right? Yep. Yeah, so like the every like Mayer is going to be on the field every down. He's a Hunter Henry at the worst, whereas the other guys have that kind of elite upside. But I'm with you, and I've said this. We said this on the Sonic Truth Pod. And we did that that mock draft together, yes. which was absolutely awesome and so much fun with Scott Connor and Memphis yes. Young, me, you, Allen, and Matt and Cody Carpentier. And we we talked about how like the tight end, this is the transformative tight end class. Like we've been waiting on younger tight ends coming in at like this kind of strength, where I think that there's a year from now, you're gonna see all of these guys, and there's a chance Musgrave hits too. Because I'm not in love with Musgrave, but he's going to get immediate immediate chance. He's an elite athlete. I'd rather have Musgrave than Mayer, and that's what's crazy about it. Look, when I look at Mayer, he's on the outskirts of all of the anatomy stuff. Like he's six five, two forty nine at the combine. Like he's probably two sixty five. Okay, well then why you didn't see the he, picture? Why didn't of, he weigh yeah, that much? Yeah. Then? I don't know. I'm just and then he like ran. A, the he ran a four seven at two forty nine because that's yeah. when he weighed two forty nine. He ran a four seven. So if he's 265, yeah. he's a 4.8. Yeah, I would agree I don't on like that. that. I think he's bigger than 249. I agree. I agree. He's a he's a guy that's that doesn't I just doesn't he do doesn't, it for me. He certainly doesn't have that. Yeah. yeah I, nothing's I, I moving. I got nothing, you know? Nothing. I think it's a struck it's a structural tight end play yeah. where you're but again, tight end is so flat that when you have a chance to get a guy with the elite ceiling, I agree I with you. I think Laporta is worth worth taking. I fucking it. just and like you know, swinging talking, for the fences yeah. at tight end because fuck it. You know, you can always get Hunter Henry. You know what I mean? Yes. So if he ends up becoming Hunter Henry, Pat Fryermuth, it's like somewhere in there. You're like, okay. I mean, why don't I just fucking pick up Tyler Higby for free and just have that? Like all I care about is trying to get to Kelsey Kittle, Waller, some sort of fucking, you know, crazy upside guy. You know, and and even Musgrave is not necessarily that, although he's way more athletic, he's stronger, he is bigger, he's faster, but he wasn't as prolific. So, 
you know, but whatever. I, I was able to get Musgrave in the third round every time. I've got five Musgraves, never paid a second round pick. You know what I mean? Like five out of 20 leagues or whatever. You know, I'm like 25 or 28% Musgrave, no investment. <laughs> it's like I'm and I'm on the I'm on the, the Laporta track with that. Like Laporta was a guy that for I play a ton of FFPC and tight end premium, he would go somewhere between like the 201 and like the 206 in tight yep. end premium. And I made sure I got it, it anytime that he started slipping to the mid second, I would trade and get yes. him. And when I was sitting there at like the 201, 202, 203, I would take him. Smart. And I think in tight end, tight end premium, like you play tight yeah. end premium, like tight end premium, those guys, even if he becomes like a top 15 asset, he's got a ton That's, of value. Yes. But if he really hits, you can use him to go get that running back that can go win the win you the season. Yeah, we get the topic for another day, brother. But um, the tight yeah. end premium value of tight ends changes the tight end position almost like Superflex changes the quarterback position. Yes, you see it in in startups, especially the value of those guys in startups. It's 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 exponential. Yeah. Like a like a you can't even. It's like the Kincaid, the trade equity of Kincaid is is almost like another reason to have him on your roster right. because he's so insulated. You think about like TJ Hawkinson, how much he was worth before he actually gave you big fantasy production. Those kind of guys are worth a ton. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go out and change your roster as you want if you have exposure to those, you know, potentially elite tight yeah. ends. No, absolutely. Well, I know we've run up against your time limit. Um you know, we might have run up against my time limit. I don't know. Who the fuck knows? You know, I do know that this was an awesome show. And I do know something else that I think you and I, we could stop recording and we could talk for four or five hours about football and never stop. Like you and I have a, have a, have a way of just of letting it roll. I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate our friendship, our relationship. I appreciate everything. So thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I love I love coming on your guys' show. I love everything you guys do. And I got to have you on my new podcast press Can't coverage wait. at some point. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have you on that one. Um, I know you've came on The Dominator with Billy. You've come on Sonic Truth with me. But that one I just started up. I'm dropping an episode a week. So I definitely want to get you on there August, early September, something like that. So tell the people where they can find you, my friend. So you can find me, uh, all my written work on playerprofiler.com. Uh, you can find me on the Sonic Truth podcast with Matt Kelly and Alan Soslowski. First Class Fantasy with Billy Muzio. We usually drop that at 3.30 Eastern on Thursdays. And I've been dropping press coverage. That's my new podcast. Um, that's a, a my solo pod with guests. We've had really, really good guests to yeah, start out. Have. There's been a lot of positive. Yeah, we – well, you know, by, by design, I want to have – my whole thing is I think it's getting harder to find edges in fantasy football. And I'm trying to get people that can kind of unlock those things. Yeah. So – I want to have sharp people on and I want to be able to ask tough questions. And I, I think we've done that and we've got a lot of good response. And then I'm on the GOAT District on Wednesday evenings, which is streaming on Player Profiler YouTube. Uh, and it's it's awesome. The GOAT District is fantastic. Yeah, is. We did a live draft this week and Jax has been on a bunch yeah. of times. Jax, you, you've probably been on like four Dude, times. Dude, it's a great show. Episode, it, I, I go yeah. back every time because it's actually – I love it. You guys are really sharp. You yeah. guys are real – see, there's a difference between a guy who talks about playing fantasy football and a guy who's played fantasy football and like played in big leagues, played with big motherfuckers. You guys have played for real stakes against real motherfuckers and lived to tell the tale. And when you're that kind of guy, you're able to really talk about it in a different way than – 
you know, the theory of it, you know, what is it? The, those who can't do teach, you know what I mean? Those who can't do bullshit about it, you know, but you guys are the real deal. And that's what I appreciate about it. No, I appreciate that. Like we're, we're about that life in the, in the goat district as the young kids say, and we're, we're doing it, we're drafting and we're competing and we're winning money in fantasy. And that's, you know, something that Dan and I do and JD does and Andrew does. So um, yeah, and we love in the GOAT district having people on like yourself that are super, super sharp. Um, you know, we have, we've had some very, very good dynasty shows, also some good redraft shows, but yeah, you can find me during the day, during the night. I'm, I'm on player profile YouTube all the time. And, uh, we're putting out a lot of, a lot of great content on the podcast side. Um, you know, hopefully you're listening to this one, uh, through our player profile network and, uh, or you're one of the one of the OGs that that have been with Jax for for years yes, and sir. years. Either one of those works, yes, but um, it's awesome, man. This was so much fun. I'm down to come on your show anytime you want. You got man. it, brother. I am so grateful to be uh, in and around your vortex because you are an awesome person. So thank you so much. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of the single greatest podcast producer who's named Michael P. Duncan in the world. Michael P. Duncan. You have been joined by the awesome Theo Greminger. I am Jax Falcone and we are out. <laughs>